Howdy, everyone. Welcome to Coffee Break <clears throat> on Unsafe Space. Today is someday in April. Monday, April 26th. And guess who's here? Hello, Carter. Carrie's Hello. here today. Welcome to Coffee Break, guys. If it's your first time here, you can follow us at unsafespace.com. Still banned from Twitter. Going on three months now. <laughs> And it? Uh, yeah. over three months, so it'll be four, four almost May eleventh. Yeah. yeah, but uh, you can find us there. You can find our videos also on library if you don't want to watch them on YouTube. And um, we have book club coming up on Sunday, May second. This Sunday, we're de- we're doing fiction this month. Douglas Adams, The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. You can find out more info at unsafespace.com on the book club page. Free to join, free to participate. If you want to be in the live chat or on camera talking with us and what else we have merchandise if you would like to find some you can go to unsafespace.com to the shop page also if you subscribe financially at the 25 dollars level or higher you get one of these which is an unsafe space uh. mug that looks like a grenade speaking of those mugs my living room is full of boxes that have all been packed and paid for the postage i just have to drop them off today so a bunch of people were not getting your mugs yet. They're on their way. Uh, but I also noticed in going through the list um, that uh, there's a lot of people who haven't given us their information. So so if you want your mug, give like, part of your info. We can't ship a mug to you if we don't know where you are. Um, people say my mic is clipping. I'm turning it down. We did test audio. I turned it down a little bit. Let me know if it's still clipping. Anyway, yeah. uh, So um, those mugs are going out. Oh, also, the book After Hitchhiker's Guide, which I haven't even started yet, but it's super fun and quick. Um, After Hitchhiker's Guide is Beyond Order, which is Jordan Peterson. Mm -hmm. That'll be very exciting. Uh, So that one, we usually alternate fiction and nonfiction. So if you guys want to get started on the next book, you can do that. Um. I just got back from the Better Discourse Conference. I wanted to it, ask you how it went. I was hoping you would was, share with the audience. It was it, it was great. So if you guys aren't familiar, it's Mythicist Milwaukee, Myth Informed. They put on the Better Discourse Conference. Uh, this was the second one, I think. And it's in Kenosha, Wisconsin. And they try to bring together people of, of differing viewpoints, both politically, um, religious, what, what have you, and then have debates or discussions on stage in front of an audience. And uh, we, it, I moderated two panels this year. I was very nervous to have them moderated before and I do get stage fright, believe it or not, because it's not like a podcast. I can see people, which my brain freaks out about for some reason. And, uh, but I think, it, I think just in regards to my job as moderator, I think it went pretty well for first time. There were some feisty moments in both of my panels. So I was trying what to learn how to moderate? break it up. What were they? I mean, just the most controversial ones. <laughs> I did. Uh, the first one was uh, Black Lives Matter and feminism. Uh, how the media is, is the media biased towards or against them? <laughs> I mean, come on. There's and, a con position on that one. <laughs> Right, I that that was crazy, and then the last one I did was um, birth of a radical identity or ideology, and there were a lot of great speakers. Um, our friend Mikey Harlow was there, Libby Evans, 
uh, Jack Posobiec, Justin Gibson, who goes by SJW Debates, who we've had on the show before. He was there. Um, and I just, I, yeah, I just, I love the job that they're doing, trying to bring people together to have these conversations. And you have to give it up for the social justice people who, who actually show up and, and try to, you know, have these discussions because that's not normal. Most social justice people don't want to have discussions. They don't want to engage in argumentation, you know, to defend their opinions because it's a fundamentalist belief system and they're not able a lot of times to defend their positions. And so you'll find they have all these excuses. They, they say that, they say that they can't have a discussion with you because there's a power imbalance. They'll come up with reasons like that. Oh, well, you're white and I'm black. Therefore, I don't have to talk to you and defend my views because there's a power imbalance. Or you're a man and I'm a woman. Therefore, I don't have to. They'll come up with all these reasons. But so I really commend the people that come who do subscribe to social justice belief system, who come and try to have these talks. I think they're uh, I think that I think that takes integrity. So I think now it's arguable that they don't need to have discussions even they don't like they they, they, <laughs> they never wanted to but they don't need to they don't need to they culturally uh dominate everything now everything yeah. <laughs> they don't have to like they don't have to defend social justice to you you have to defend not social justice to everyone else which is why they don't want to come yeah, yeah a lot of them so um we have a super chat from mephisto zarces thank you sir says hail to both carrie and carter carrie you were a little pixelated at the beginning, but that's okay. I'm an 80s guy. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> we can go back to pixelated. Yeah. I don't know how to do that, actually. Maybe we can't go back to pixelated. Well, that's good. So it was a good It was a good conference, I guess. It sounds was good. Like. Yeah, it was good. I enjoyed it. I like this. How many people lot. were there? I'm so bad with numbers. Uh... Or was it mask? Was it like lots of masks or no? No, there were not a lot of masks. There were a few, but not a lot. Um, I don't know, like 150 maybe? I don't know. I'm bad with, with numbers. Finest City Cycling, thank you, sir, says, or ma'am, says, book recommendation, book club or not, Free Speech and Why It Matters by Andrew Doyle, Titian, Titania <laughs> McGrath. Oh, I have not read this. Thank you for the suggestion. I am a fan of Titania <laughs> Thank yeah. You for that. Um, by the way, Tom says I will not listen to them beg for their lives. I think that's a that's the attitude that they're going to engender among the other side, right? Because they're not listening yeah. to you. So uh, if they don't if they don't win forever, the people on the other side are not going to be very oh. empathetic. Okay, Lutra says, Carrie, is there an online video version of the event anywhere? Yes, it was streamed on RT. I believe you can still find it there. And it was also streamed on one of the participants whose name is Destiny, who has quite a following on YouTube. He live streamed the whole thing. He unlisted the video, but we'll, it's still up. You just have to have the link. So we'll put the link in the comments today, in the description of the video today, if you want to watch Is he the it. one that debated Milo last time? Yes. And this okay. at the... Uh, at the end of this one, he, I thought he was really rude at the end. He came up to ask a question at the end of the last panel of Jack Posobiec, and then he uh, accused him of stolen valor just to be a jerk. Like, Why? not that he actually even believes that. I don't know, just to be a jerk. I actually, I, I like a lot of the social justice people who come. 
like I like Justin Gibson. I like um, uh, uh, Michael Gonzalez, but I don't know this guy well enough. I, I should probably reserve judgment, but just based on the way he slunk away from the mic and and put a gun up to it, he made some rude gesture and then he said that stuff about you know it just seemed like cowardly to me. I don't think he's. I don't, I don't think, think you think need to withhold judgment from someone you've interacted with several times. A couple times, I think he is. I think he's <laughs> might be. A, let's just say, I think he might be a person of bad character. <laughs> That's my mm. <laughs> from a distance, my opinion. Might he be? Might he might be? I don't know. His fans are certainly goobers. because <laughs> when he was live streaming, they were all in the chat, and I got the impression they're very young. And they're all just sitting in the chat going, uh, cringe, 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 cringe. That person's awful. This person's awful. Cringe. Uh, boomer, boomers, boomers. And um, and then they had this some kind of meme they kept repeating that they thought was so funny, um, which comes from a video game. I don't know what it means in the context of their group, but they just kept repeating among us. Among like It was so like kids, like kids. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well. There was nothing really intelligent that they were offering. But the funny thing was Sargon was in that chat all 10 hours, the whole 10 hour stream. He kept commenting and watching the whole thing. Wow. And obviously he, yeah, he differed with a lot of Destiny's fans. So that was interesting. Um, but yeah, anyway. Yeah, you know, I, I, uh, I was appreciating our, sometimes I appreciate our YouTube audience. I, not just YouTube, like anywhere. Although, by the way, <clears throat> Our YouTube channel has been like bleeding subs for a while now, but they're gaining on library. So maybe people are just leaving one and going to the other. But um, I, you know what I appreciate about it is, you know, obviously everyone gets YouTube comments that are inane at times, and, and we also get them sometimes. But I realized we don't get them that often. <laughs> like most of the YouTube comments are like, Thoughtful, even if they're disagreement, most of them are like counter arguments or thoughtful things or whatever. We don't get a mm -hmm. lot of just, you know, mindless re on like we yeah. don't get a lot of that crap on YouTube, which is nice. Um, but I don't know. I, they're, they're <sighs> YouTube comments. Let me tell you how to not. This is how you don't appear smart on, on YouTube comments. When someone makes an argument, and I'm going to use an argument that's... A, I'm going to use a proof as an example. Nothing I have say comes close to being a proof, so... But it's, it's a good example. Like, if you say, uh, all men are mortal. Socrates is a man. Therefore, Socrates is immortal. Is, is, is mortal. Like, okay, A, proposition A, proposition B. Okay, it follows from this that Socrates is mortal. Mm -hmm. The YouTube comment... I don't agree that Socrates is mortal is not an argument and doesn't need to be taken seriously. Like you're not smart. You have nothing to add. There's, it's just a disagreement. It doesn't, you need to argue back. You need to give reasons for things. People. Yeah. Like I know you want to be heard. So make an argument, make an argument. If you, like those comments are the worst long comments that are like in disagreement, but our arguments are actually worth reading and listening to. It's like, all right, mm -hmm. someone made an argument. They made a case against Socrates being moral. Or mortal. He might not have been moral. I don't know. Thank you, Pirate Tomsky. He says, I watched it on Destiny's stream, and he was being a knob the whole time by talking over his stream when people he didn't like were speaking. He's a tool. Yeah, he did that. Oh. He he was live streaming from the back, and when he was only on one panel, so for all the panels he wasn't on, 
he was on his live stream just making fun of everyone on stage and saying dumb comments the whole time. Again, I just, I don't know. So why do they have him back? Because that's not really what discourse is about, right? Well, but on stage, he did engage in discourse. He was on the green energy panel and he did, I thought he did a good job on stage. He, he did, he wasn't over the line at all on stage. It's just his behavior um, during the Q and A of the last panel and, you know, the way he engages with his fans on the live stream, I think, is a tool. Well, He's, he has a tool. That's a good. <laughs> maybe that's what his fans want. That's his thing. That's fine. All right. Uh, Big ugly clown. I think he says the best thing I can say about Destiny is maybe he's better than Valsh. Vosh. They baited Kyle Rittenhouse, and Destiny was on Kyle's side. R e self defense. Yeah, I. From what I understand, oh, really? yeah, he sometimes takes a right position, sometimes a left position. Again, I don't oh. know a lot about him. I should watch his videos, but. So my judgment is, so my opinion okay. is is better informed. Um, I don't know what, did you have stuff you want to talk about today? Because I wanted to start off with something on Cartoon Network. You can do whatever you want. We missed you on Friday, so you can run the show today. I'll just respond. I don't even have a really? sign today behind me because oh, wow. I don't have anything that like I feel really passionate about talking about today, so... Could I just sing that song again that I made up at the dog Yes. Park? I would actually appreciate if you would sing your remake of the Dukes of Hazzard's Duke of ha- Dukes of Hazzard uh, theme song. It's in Go my ahead. head. It's This whole time we've been talking, it's in my head. There's this dog at our dog park who's, his name is Todd, which is a funny name for a dog. And he's huge. He's a golden doodle, but he's very big. He might be, he might be um, part something else. I don't know. And he's just got the longest, fluffiest hair he looks like Snuffleupagus. He looks like a huge Muppet. And his energy is just so positive and goofy. And he comes sprinting across like the dog park like this. And he loves to get in the... They have big tubs of water. And he loves getting in the bath. He'll get all the way down in and soak his whole body. And then jump up and be soaking wet. And roll in the mud and come over to you. And just... He's just a handful, Todd. He's hilarious. So anyway, we made up a song, my housemate and I, today. We were just... Yeah. Okay. You have the stage. Where is it? Taking a bath and rolling in mud. (laughs) I don't remember all the lines. Or later. Wait, wait. Breaking the rules the only way he knows how. (laughs) Sorry, I'm not going to sing the whole thing, but we we wrote the whole song. (laughs) I don't have a lighter. Todd's just a little bit more than the park will allow. Wait, 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 Jason the ball since the day he was born. <laughs> you don't even know the original song, do you, Carter? I know of it. I used to love the Dukes of Hazard. Uh, oh, okay. But I don't, I don't remember the theme song of it because it's been Todd's a good old boy. Many, many years. <laughs> Never meaning no harm. Yeah, yeah, that that rings a bell. I can see yeah. that. Never meaning no harm. all yeah. you never saw. He's been chasing the ball since the day he was born. <laughs> It was Never. when I was a kid, I wasn't normally allowed to watch much TV, but when I was a kid, uh, I would visit my grandmother's house in the summers because they, they owned a farm. They ran a farm. Uh, turns out being a farmer isn't really a great way to make a lot of money, but they owned a farm and um, my grandmother would let us watch Dukes of, Dukes of Hazard. My cousin and I watched Dukes of Hazard when it was on. Did so, you like uh, it? It was like I loved that. I totally loved, I loved that show, it. and I had yeah. a massive crush, like every boy on Daisy Duke, like every every young man had a crush on Daisy Duke. I think I had a, uh, as a girl, I had a crush on 
the blonde one. Was that Luke Duke? Luke or Bo? I thought Bo. Oh, Bo. It was Bo. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, that show. Like that show's got problematic in every way measurable now. Yes. That show. I can't believe there hasn't been more uproar about that show. It is probably not. Is it even airing anywhere? Is it in? I was going to say probably no one's aired it. <laughs> let's pretend we never made this and they've put it in somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> it's such a good song, though, that song. Okay. Mephisto Zarsis, thank you, says, I need a poster of both Car- Carter and Carrie in the style of 50 Stalin communists with hammer and sickle, but underneath unsafe space. SJWs would lose their minds over it trying to figure it out. <laughs> It's similar to the bot posters that people want. They want Russian bot posters. So you could combine those ideas and make a Russian bot. Russian bot. Yeah. Um, I do want to talk about something serious. I'm sorry for the people who tune in and want to hear something serious right away about my song. It's just in my head. So I sent you some images, Carter. Oh, let me look. Let me pull them up. And someone said to someone said to me yesterday on Twitter, this is... I had posted something else. This is not what I sent you, but it was a hilarious discussion between some SJWs about how they've been, re- you know, reducing their language now that they, to get rid of ableist language that now <laughs> this guy was like, mostly now I just used wild. I'll say what something's wild instead of crazy. Cause crazy's ableist. And then all these oh, other crazy's ableist. I see. Right. So then all these other SJWs came in and they disagree with him and they said wild is also a it's racist. Oh. Wild is racist. You can't say that. And bananas is racist. And so they were saying, um, why don't you use intense instead? It's intense. I know. That's I not just, the same thing. I know, but I just thought it was funny that they just keep reducing the <laughs> words that you're allowed to use and it won't be long before they say you can't use intense either. So I yeah. I tweeted something about this. I thought it was funny. And someone replied, and I hear this every once in a while, somebody replied and said, just so you know, you know, you can ignore this, you can ignore social justice worries. No, dude, you can't, you, you know, look how good ignoring them has worked out for us. (laughs) Like, look how good ignoring them and putting your head in the sand, putting our head in the sand has worked out. It's it's not working out well. I mean, prior to uh, the rise of a certain leader in germany uh who i'll try not to name on the show people ignored them they were like yeah funny jokes like oh they'll never be in but like they're ridiculous yeah. they'll never just get ignore power. them just ignore yeah, them. yeah they're stupid and funny no. And like no one you know what a ridiculous ideology no so this Everyone is um thought, right? what i sent you is a great ex- example of where we're at now because we collectively as a as a country as a society, ignored this for too long. Here's where we're at now. This is Cartoon Network on their Twitter account. Um, first of all, the the first tweet that goes with this, they said, um, let me see if I can find that. In their tweet, they said, here's to not only normalizing, normalizing gender pronouns, but respecting them too, heart emoji, whether you use he, she, them, or something else, we acknowledge and love you. Here's a toolkit, and then they have a link, and then they have hashtag pronouns, hashtag let's get free, hashtag cartoon network, etc. So then they have a bunch of, of graphics from one of their cartoons, and here's the first one. 
Um, you want to tell people who are just listening what this one says? Yeah. Uh, and by the way, this makes me really happy that I've never allowed my child to watch Cartoon Network. Okay. Uh, it's a cartoon of three people, two kids and an adult with a belly button ring. Because um, that's important. Uh, and the adult is saying, a lot of people are learning about gender. If you're comfortable, you can share your own pronouns. And then one of the kids says, gender pronouns describe a person's gender identity. And the other kid says, examples of pronouns are she, her, they, them, and zizer. Uh, and then at the bottom, there's a little box that says gender pronouns. We can't tell someone's gender just by looking at them and shouldn't, <laughs> by the way, that almost sounds like a parody of itself, and shouldn't assume we know there are many gender identities beyond girl or boy. Some people don't identify as any gender. So that's the okay. cartoon. That's the first one. Do you have the other ones? Did they oh, all I only saw the one. Hold on. I'll, I'll, I'll grab the other one in a sec here. Yeah, so it's actually four, uh, four frames, and they continue with these characters, and then they have them talking to one another and showing kids an example of how to use these pronouns. <laughs> uh, the next one, let's see. I'll read this yeah, one I'm, to you. Yeah, I'm going to pull it up. Sorry. I, okay. Signal mushed them all together, so I thought it was one image, but it's actually not. I have to, several <laughs> images. That was my fault. Boomer moment. Now you can say boomer. Now this is a boomer moment. Okay. Is this the next one that you uh, want right here? Yes. Will you tell people what's in this one? Sure. The first frame is, uh, I think they're all kids. Just two of them are taller than the other one. Uh, one says, hi, my name is Cam, K-A-M. <clears throat> my pronouns are they, them. And then uh, another person says, on the other side, I'm Alex. Mine are they, them, too. Not the number two, which would be, uh, I, f I feel seen. And then there's a kid in the middle with a little thought bubble that says, wow, I thought there was only she, her, and he, him. <laughs> no kid even knows. <laughs> yeah. No kid even knows to say she, her, and he, them. Like, I know. to, to, to. <laughs> To think of it in that way, the way that sentence is right. formed. And also this kid on the right who says, I'm Alex, mine are they, them too. I feel seen. I feel seen. Oh my gosh. They just Well, you're not seen, Alex. No you, seen. They just repeat this crap. How many times have you heard the social justice people who push the trans part of the ideology say stuff like that? You need to make people feel seen. You need to make people feel seen. It's all about validating everyone. Um, so so now, smacking that, them upside the head does make them feel seen. I just want to clarify. I feel seen. Uh, that little kid who was in the middle there, who was thinking, oh, I thought there was only she, her, and he, him. In the next frame, that little kid goes, I'm Chloe. The pronouns that describe my identity are she, her. Cool. My identity? This is a kid. This looks like a five-year-old. My identity? It does. Yeah. Except for the gray hair. It looks like a five-year-old. I don't know why. <laughs> Hair's great. Is it great? They gave, no, great. I don't know. They gave her an SJW haircut and glasses. That's what that's what Josh Slocum from Disaffected calls the borderline glasses and the haircut. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And so then in the final frame, you got all three of these kids again. And the first one goes, Thanks, y'all. By the way, y'all 
Are you in Texas? I okay, think that's I, appropriation I mean, of something. I mean, I, I'm only saying I don't actually mind cultural appropriation, but you guys do. You guys mind it. So thanks, y'all. When people use my pronouns, I feel respected, safe, and included. And then the little kid, the five-year-old looking one says, yes, your pronouns reflect you. I've learned something new today. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. No five-year-old talks like that. Okay. And then in the next, okay. And then, they, then we're moving on to the next card, the next frame with these cartoon characters, Cartoon Network. Now we've got five kids. The tallest one has a, they all have little hearts over their heads telling you what their pronouns are. So we've got three they thems here and two one she her and one he him and down at the bottom it says using someone's pronouns shows respect we all need to be seen and loved for who we are no we don't does does jeffrey dahmer need to be seen and loved for who he is does jeffrey dahmer deserve respect i'm, I'm using that because they say these things that they pretend this is not a truth they're not speaking a truth they're saying something that is that is a lie and they're trying to push it off because it's it, these are kids so they think well you'll agree. we all need to be seen in love for who we are right that isn't that a thing we all agree on no respect is earned it's not given out to everyone i use an extreme example like jeffrey dahmer because to, to help make that point we all decide who's worthy of respect and who's not if i say this person I just met who I know nothing about, I respect them, That then that means nothing when I say I respect my grandfather. That means wait, nothing. Wait. You just made the argument that I made against you for saying you want to, you need to love everyone. Can you apply I do that love exactly everyone. to love? No, because there's different kinds of love. We talked about that. We need different oh, words for okay. love. Okay. We need different okay. words for love. But respect is not the same thing as treating people in a civil way. I can have I can show civility towards a stranger without having respect like respect means something to say that we treat everyone with respect it just strips that word of meaning then it means whoa is it me or did Carrie just disappear everyone Carrie's gone YouTube does not like this very angry at her but she's right uh, I don't know. I can't pick up in the middle of Carrie's rant. <laughs> oh, here she is. She's back. <laughs> My uh, some it all it said was something went wrong. I'm like, yes, I know something. Yeah. I don't know what it was went wrong. But uh, I, I didn't even bother to try and pick up where you left yeah. off. So keep going. I was just saying that then it it reduces that word to nothing. So that when you say, I have great respect. I had great respect for my grandfather. My grandfather worked hard his whole life. And my grandmother too, um, came, both came from very large families from poverty, working on a farm, worked since he was a kid, you know, through the Great Depression, had multiple jobs and worked all the way until his 90s. He would be up on the roof cutting down tree branches with a chainsaw at like 94 <laughs> and retiling the floor like he couldn't stop moving. Had a huge garden and a farm, you know, just someone worthy of my respect because of the way he proved himself 
gave up bad habits. I saw that in my lifetime. I saw him quit drinking. I saw him quit smoking, which I thought he would never do. <laughs> um, a funny guy got along with everyone. Um, and, and like I said, really hard worker, great values. I have a lot of, I had a lot of respect for my grandfather. If that word means nothing, then if you just say, Oh, I just, I respect everyone. BS. No, you don't. There are people like Jeffrey Dahmer. You don't respect. <laughs> there are people who behave in, in ways that show that they have bad character and they are not worthy of respect. So I just take issue with that, that word being used in that way. And, and, and to be used with this in particular with propaganda, to be used to push propaganda, they're using something that's not true in the first place, which is that everyone deserves to be seen and loved for who they are and respected. They're using that to push propaganda on children. And they're trying to teach children that they all need to learn about what pronouns to use. And again, we're talking about transgender people um, up until recently, when it became very popular, when social justice has made this very popular, and now we have all the trans trenders, the people who are just saying that they're trans because it's a popular, cool thing to have as part of your identity, all the kids that whose heads we're messing with who now believe that because they don't fall into stereotypical gender norms that they must be trans, all those poor kids who in the past wouldn't have had, this wouldn't have come up, they would have just been, I'm a tomboy, you know, those kids... Now, the, the number, the Trevor Project, in 2019, the Trevor Project, I'm going to use one of their, their nonprofits and their stats. They're now saying, as of 2019, that 1.7 or 1.8% of kids identify as trans. That's almost double what it was just like five short years ago when it was 0 0.7, 0 0.8. Now it's 1.7. It's doubled. Why do you think it's doubled? Because we're telling kids, we're putting stuff like this on Cartoon Network and telling kids they need to ch decide if you're trans or not. 99.9% .9 of kids never grappled with this. And now we're telling them that it's normal. Cartoon Network even says in their tweet, we need to normalize this. They say it outright in a tweet, we need to normalize this. Gender dysphoria. Feeling mm -hmm. uncomfortable in your body with your biological sex. We need to normalize that in kids. Why? Why are we normalizing that? That, uh, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I'm done. I, it's just, it's just, this is where we've, this is where we've gotten to a society. And I know it's not just Cartoon Network. People were saying to me, it's on PBS. It's everywhere now. Even if you're homeschooling kids, it's hard to avoid this, this indoctrination and propaganda. They're trying to get your children. They're also trying to sexualize your children at a young age. And, and this is where ignoring social justice ideology and ignoring SJWs has gotten us in society. So no, I'm not going to ignore them. I think it's important. Especially when you can find an opportunity to mock their belief system, to mock them for saying that they can't say bananas or wild, that those are problematic terms. Mock them. We need to change the culture so that everyone starts to find them ridiculous. Which they are. To think that in the 80s, the big concern about cartoon influence on kids was that, you know, <clears throat> some coyotes were being blown up with dynamite. And it was, yeah. That might, that might have a bad in some kids, hey, they might try and paint in a black uh, hole on a rock and then run right into it. Uh, right. You can't have that. This is the big concern. Um, I've actually, I've been thinking about this. 
this kind of relates this this relates to something I was thinking about with respect to um compliance actually uh and obedience. <clears throat> I know this is gonna sound like it's a non sequitur, but it's related. I was actually even this morning I was reading uh de Tocqueville's The Ancien Regime and the Red Revolution. It's about the French Revolution and the Ancient Regime. Um and he made this interesting point about so he was talking about um he was talking about how in Christ, like the 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 in France the Christian institutions were attacked um first and then the whole revolution kind of politicized everything happened and then the last thing to that then get restored was kind of the respect for Christianity and he was talking about this um he was talking about why that was, and he says, I, I, just, I just find this really interesting. He's basically, I'm trying to paraphrase, I don't know if I should quote him, but he's basically saying that the psychologically people needed something to consider themselves rebelling against right here here i'll read this men have fancied here napoleon this he's talking about after the french revolution right napoleon came in and got rid of a lot of liberties right napoleon subdued the liberal spirit of the revolution but he could not conquer its anti-christian tendencies even in the times in which we live men have fancied that they were redeeming their servility to the most slender officials of the state by their insolence to god and what and what i'm taking from that is this idea that like People need to feel that they've got some sort of independence, that they're not being completely obedient drones. And if you're asking them to be obedient drones in the political arena, then they they need to feel like they're rebelling somewhere else. And in the case of post-revolutionary France, it was rebelling against religion. It was like, well, I might be obeying the stupid bureaucrats, but I don't obey God. So I'm a free person, like I, I have some independence. And I look at this kind of thing and a, a question that, that comes into my mind right away is, they are declaring freedom from reality in a very fundamental way. They're like, we don't have to, we don't have to accept the reality that there are two sexes. We can reject biology. We can like, we are, we're trying to free ourselves from reality and it seems to me that that's just preparation for some counterweight of we are willing to accept massive obedience. We're willing to be massively obedient in some other arena, perhaps a political arena, because we feel we have the freedom to declare our gender. And in a, in like a concrete example here would be, I'll wear as many masks as the CDC says, I will be compliant, I will not leave the house, I will stay six feet away, I will get the vaccine, I'll do all the things that I'm said, I'll be completely obedient. But I identify as a large empty room, like gender wise, and that therefore I'm asserting my independence and freedom. And I think they need the more they crack down at the authoritarian level uh, in politically, the more there needs to be some outlet for people to feel like they're free. And this gives them an outlet like you don't even have to be. You don't even have to be one of the only two sexes. You can make another one up like you can be a dragonkin. It's, it's, that's, that's, a, I really want to read more about this, about the French Revolution and what came after. Um, 
because I think you're right. I think I think that there's this part where they feel like they have to be rebelling, and this maybe explains why. I mean, we think it's silly now. Now that we, especially now that I have distance from social justice, I think it's silly when I look at stuff like the so-called resistance during Trump, when they were out in the streets, you know, protesting, and they really thought of themselves as the resistance, but they agree with all major, all the corporations agree with them. The media, academia, every cultural institution agrees with them, and the banks agree with them. But they think they're they're resistance, and and they really do. I think they think they're rebelling. They have to. Think they need that. to feel like they're rebellious. Yes. like everyone needs to feel like they're a little bit rebellious. Yeah. Whereas where I'm sitting right now, I feel rebellious because I don't wear the mask. <laughs> <laughs> because you know that's what satisfi- satisfies that for me, I guess. But it's also at a principle. Well, normalcy, like yeah. what was normalcy, normalcy and tradition yes. is now rebellion. Yeah. Normalcy is now rebellion. Going to church, having your church open during the COVID is rebellion. Um, I want to read this super chat that was just on screen before I forget. Actually, two. There are two I want to read. Miles Kinslow. Hi, Miles. Miles was, was in Kenosha. Uh, it was really cool to see him and Dom. I don't know if Dom's around today. And Michael. And Michael, if you're here, I am sorry I didn't get to continue our conversation afterwards. It was chaotic, as you know. I apologize, but I'll see you in, in August at the retreat. Uh, Miles says, hey, guys, Carrie, it was great seeing you again. That statement on the left going too far really resonated with me. Also, I hope the idea of you and Tim connecting becomes reality. Well, thank you, Miles. Miles said that Tim Pool is starting a network, which is interesting if that's true. Oh, cool. Okay. Um, uh, myth informed, and then the myth informed guys are here. Oh, they said, "Miss you already, Carrie. You're amazing." Well, thank you. No kidding. <laughs> thank you for helping show people uh, uh, that we can uh, uh, still uh, find common ground across political lines and debunking the media generated negative perception of Kenosha. Yes, thank you guys so much for having us and for doing this. I think what you're doing is so important, and I hope you get more people from the left next year. And if you guys are watching, I know some social justice people do watch us and like to hate on us. Um, They are looking for people for panels on the left. So, you know, let them know you want to be a part of it. And and this part at the end about the negative perception of Kenosha. Kenosha's so cute. Libby and I, Libby Evans and I walked around and, and looked at some of the town and there are still places boarded up from the riots, but they have a, they seem to have a thriving downtown. And I think, it, I think it's a really, a really cute, a cute town. Um, thank you guys for the super chats. And I know there's others in there. I just don't have them in front of me. Do you want to read any of them before we move on? Yeah, we can read a few. Um, okay. Let me, uh, I was, can I? I want to say something about the gender thing. Won't really quickly, well, yeah. Because I, I, re, I, re, I realized I just remembered something. I worked with someone years ago, like I think this was twenty years ago, who I guess now would be called trans. Uh, and there's a fundamental difference between this person and the and modern day trans people. This person's name was Raphael, and I'm saying this person because. Raphael didn't care. I, I think Raphael was like intentionally trying to be gender ambiguous and didn't care, right? So today would say they, them, or Zezer or whatever, right? But Raphael's attitude was like if you act, because I, I remember we did act, like 
are you like a he or she? Like, we, we need like, should we call you he? Should we call you she? Raphael was like, I don't care. Raphael didn't care what people called him or her because that was not relevant. Like, instead of policing what you said because this person didn't care, because this person didn't identify as either, didn't want to be either, didn't care, they weren't so wrapped up in policing your speech and how you address them. So you could say he and that would be fine, or you could say she and that would be fine. And this person never cared. They were super chill about it. Um, and they thought, they thought it was kind of amusing that people would use different pronouns for them. But fast forward 20 years later, and <laughs> if you don't use the exact right pronoun, possibly without even like if like you might not you might do it by mistake yeah right you are immediately jumped on and vilified and you've committed this horrendous transgression and you must be sacrificed to the mom and, and that's that's a that's characteristic of authoritarianism they're very controlling mm -hmm. they want to control what you say and and like you said i draw a distinction between uh trans people that I knew before this, that before social justice became accelerated in society and especially this trans part of it. And, and then all the trans trenders or the people who are not even trans, but try to speak on their behalf, all these newly woke soccer, soccer moms trying to speak on behalf of trans people, Cartoon Network trying to speak on behalf of trans people. Here's something, um, I don't know if she's in the chat today, but uh, Suhaila said, GD, I'm not going to say it on the air, but GD, I can't keep up with all this just to try and do damage control for actual transsexual people who don't want anything to do with this present SJW LGBT agenda. That's the attitude of the most of the trans people I know yep. is this doesn't represent them and they're not controlling and they're not authoritarian. And in fact, I think if you think about it, you probably have to have a bit of a libertarian streak to buck the norms. Oh, yeah, they're probably to, more yeah. open. And yes. accepting of yeah yeah and then to have all these authoritarians these ideologues to come to come in and start speaking for you and representing you in the media and in entertainment and and then to be tarnished with that image that's being put out there it's yeah. the same way black lives matter tries to speak on behalf of black people you know it's the same way the women's march and, and, and that whole crowd tries the feminists try to speak on behalf of women. It's it's no, you don't represent yeah. us. We didn't elect you. <laughs> and you're yeah. doing us a disservice. Well, and there's a difference between uh, there's a difference between asserting that you are a particular thing, even if that thing's crazy, like you're a dragon kin. There's a difference between asserting that and demanding that other people Right. Assert it with you. Right. Right. There's a huge difference between those two things. Yeah, I, I just I can't and and it doesn't go the other way. I mean, for example, uh I can't I can't stand the word cis, just like I can't stand most of their made up words. Right. And and because you don't need to come up with a word to describe something that is ninety nine point nine percent of people. Like it's sort of like saying, um, well, some people are born with six fingers on their hand. We need a word for having five fingers on your hand, right. um, just so we can separate. We can tell if you're a five-fingered person or a six-fingered person. No, we don't. <laughs> we don't need a word for that. 
and we like don't need normalism. A, right. I, I don't know. They wouldn't like that. They wouldn't like calling it normal. But, you know, they they that's not a word. But on the other hand, if you're a social justice person and you're calling me cis all the time, it doesn't make me feel like I don't feel seen or I feel invalidated. I feel like I'm not As a lost for who I am. Person, I recognize it's important to <laughs> Right. <laughs> but it, but it, yeah. you shouldn't give anyone that much power over you. You know what I mean? Like these people will right. call me cis you know as, as as the day is long they will continue to do it and I I can't control them. I can laugh at them and say okay whatever words you want to use. But but it, it, to say that if we don't call if if someone doesn't use your preferred pronouns that suddenly you're not seen and you're not validated and your entire entire existence is invalidated because they didn't use the pronoun you wanted it's like we are growing this fragility in people and this this authoritarian desire to to try and remake the world and control everybody else and and why would you want your why would you want your your sense of self and your emotional stability tied up in what somebody else says or thinks. That's so dumb. Yeah, they've taken a lot of these terms that are valid from, like, I hate to even say self-esteem because it's been, the whole psychological concept has been totally turned on its head and and corrupted. But originally, um, like, psychological visibility is a is a concept and it does relate to self-esteem but um they've taken all of this these this language and instead of making it about things that you do to improve your own esteem and to take care of yourself psychologically they've flipped it on its head and 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 this started well before this i mean you remember maybe it was the 90s when there was the huge, maybe it was the 80s, but I think there was the 90s when the huge self-esteem movement started, like everyone needs to get a reward for blah, 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 blah. Like that's all a perversion of self-esteem that has the opposite effect of, it has the opposite of actually effect. increasing yeah. your self-esteem. Um, because self-esteem is driven from something, from the self. It's something that you do. <laughs> um, yes. So, I mean, they teach you, in fact, if you read, uh, if you read about parenting with kids, just as an example, um, I think Carol Dweck talked about this in the mindset, growth mindset. Um, you don't praise a kid for being smart or, or criticize them for being dumb. You criticize, you, you, you reflect back on them the reality of their work. Like, oh, you put a lot of effort into that, right? Or you didn't really work very hard on that, right? Because you're reflecting back the reality of what happened, but if you categorize them, and they internalize that whether it's smart or dumb, it will have super negative consequences. Yes. For them. If they decide that they're smart, they they will conclude that their success is, is an innate thing that doesn't need yes. to be worked for. Um, and obviously, if they conclude they're dumb, they may just give up and conclude, well, I'll never achieve blah, blah, blah. But if you reflect back to them, oh, you studied a lot for that math test and, yes. and then, then you got an A and you just that's all you have to say they can internalize that and like they now they're drawing correlations and be like oh my achievement is related to my effort i control whether i get an a uh it's not like a genetic accident this whether i get so, an a it's in my control this is so important i wish i could underline what you just said i definitely want to clip that out because 
That is so important. It's the same with musical talent. It's the same with um, right. being naturally funny with comedians. There's a comedian I know who he's so funny, naturally gifted, naturally just hilarious. And he would go on stage and kill, but because he could go on stage and kill without a lot of effort, he never put the time and the work in. And almost no right. one knows his name because he didn't put the work in. And then there are other comics who will freely admit I'm not as funny as him because a lot of comedians know him. They're like, I'm not as funny as him, but I work my butt off. And that's why you know my name. That's yeah. why you know I'm Chris Rock <laughs> because I yeah. work my butt off. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, um, right. you have to put the effort in. It's the same with musical talents, the same with, with IQ. I think you're so right. I think uh, uh, I think praising people for their intelligence can can backfire because then it's sort of... I was, I didn't learn how to study until much later than I should have. And, and that was, yeah, that was bad. Yeah. I mean, this, it's kind of related, but it, since we're talking about this, it reminds me. The other thing I, as a parent that I had to learn, um, was not evaluating the work, but reflecting back, f um, facts about the work and letting the child evaluate their own work. So like if they do art, like when they're young, their art sucks. Right. I mean, uh, let's just be honest, like, their art blows chunks when they're young. I mean, unless you happen to have, like, Leonardo da Vinci that you're raising, their art sucks. Um, but parents are like, oh, that's great, right? And the kid will look at it and be like, oh, that's great. Like, now they've externalized the evaluation of their art. But you can look at it and be like, oh, I see that you used a lot of red here. I can see that you articulated the hands. Or like, oh, I see that you made this person blonde or whatever. And they can depending on how old they are. I mean, you might do a little more detail when they're older, but um, they can then hear that reflection back and they can use that to evaluate like, oh, he's seeing what I, I was hoping that he would notice. Like I was hoping that I was able to show this person had hands. That's a new thing for me to be able to do. And like, oh, I, dad noticed that it had hand. Oh, they noticed that I used a lot of red. Oh, they could tell that was hair. Oh, like, it, it gives them feedback so they can then say, oh, okay, they didn't notice that I tried to do X, Y, and Z or whatever. Like it gives them kind of honest feedback. And if they're happy, they'll, they'll, they'll be happy about that. You'll be surprised when a little kid shows you a piece of crap. And sometimes you just say like, oh, I really like the color blue. That's a true statement. They used a lot of blue in it and they'll be like, so proud, right? They're like, oh, he's the, it's just as good as saying that's a great job, but you're not externalizing the evaluation of it. You're like just reflecting back something that's true about reality. Mm -hmm. um, it's not that hard, but I highly recommend it. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Sully Toy says, five-year-old, how's my art, dad? Dad, that's freaking disgusting and you need to use less red. <laughs> no, not that. Not that. <laughs> Stephen Landau's here today. Stephen says, thank you, sir, for the super chat. Says, it seems that in the trans community, comfort and validation isn't derived from within. One's comfort and sense of being is derived entirely by external validation and how you think the world sees you. Stephen, I don't know if that's true for the trans community or if it's true for the what they're trying to create, the people that are speaking for the trans community. I don't know. I don't, I don't think it's necessarily that's something with trans people. I think that's yeah, something I actually, with this social... Yeah, I, I think it's probably not for most trans people because um, 
it takes a lot to want to actually transition. Like that's a big change. I would hope that it's driven internally. Although maybe you're, maybe, I don't know, maybe now it's not, maybe there's a lot of trans performers now, basically. Or what do you call them? You call them trans trenders. Trenders. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. All right, well, let's do some super chats. Let's I'll fight you naked. Work. Thank you, sir. Okay. Says, what do you guys think of the possibility of Rittenhouse getting a fair trial is? Well, oh God. I don't, I, I think that fund, I think going forward, it's being on a jury these days for any case that was high profile and in the news, you're going to go into that jury probably afraid that if you don't, if you don't um, deliver a decision that the media, that the culture wants, that you could be doxxed and targeted. We saw one of the alternate jurors on the Chauvin trial said they were afraid of what would happen, of being targeted. So obviously some of the jurors must have felt that way too. That was my first thought is, are we any, uh, gosh, you know, you just have to pray whatever your situation is doesn't become a big media firestorm. Well, I mean, I think we're seeing the breakdown of trust in government at multiple levels. And and I think the jury system is just one of them. Not that it's a bad system inherently, but when you've got a bunch of, when you've got a jury system or you don't trust your peers, possibly because they're being intimidated or because they're just crazy social justice warriors, uh, you know, you're in, you're in for it. I don't, I mean, the Rittenhouse trial hasn't started yet, right? And they haven't even selected a jury yet. If the judge doesn't sequester them, uh, I don't know how he can get a fair trial at all. Yeah, they uh, should have I think been. You'll see the same thing. They should have been sequestered. And okay, so Maxine Waters, you saw this, right? What she yeah, said. Yeah, I talked about it a little bit on Friday, but yeah. Well, can you just yeah. summarize for me what she said? Something about how if he's not if he's not found guilty, oh, he I don't remember exactly, rioting. but it was something about escalating the violence and escalating the rioting. If yeah, the right verdict, something like that. If you don't um, get the right verdict. So she basically said it, the mayor said it. Biden said something uh, Biden? kind of not as bad. But yeah, I mean, there was clear if you're a juror on that trial, you knew damn well what everyone wanted you to do. You knew damn what well wanted. what your job was. Right. OK, so here's what she said. She said to get more confrontational if a guilty verdict's not delivered. Yeah, something like that. Um, so can basically telling people to continue rioting and doing what they've been doing and even more confrontational. But so I found this interesting. Um, I was just watching, as you know, I was watching some Charles Manson documentaries recently. And did you know, during the Manson trial, <laughs> why are you laughing? It's how I unwind. As you know, I'm casually watching Charles Manson documentary. I thought we talked about this. Maybe it was. Yeah, no, no, we did. Yes. Go ahead. Okay. Yeah. That's how I go to sleep at night. So <laughs> the, the, the during the Manson trial, Nixon said something on oh, did he? during a press conference about how Manson was guilty. And it was such a big deal at the time that there were calls for a mistrial and to start the whole trial over because the president had said this. And it just made me reflect on how far we've come and how much things have changed now that at that time, if someone with a lot of cultural, political power gave an opinion during a trial, it, everyone, the newspapers, everyone, people were like, oh, we, we need mis we need to call a mistrial. Then they, they didn't end up doing that, though, which also tells you yeah. something. But um, yeah. 
you know, what Maxine Waters said and what all these different politicians have said, weighing in and saying, I think he's guilty. Um, I think we, we used to frown on that. We used to say, you're trying to influence the jury. Well, and the judge chewed Maxine Waters out, but it didn't matter. Biden and the mayor both said their thing after the judge chewed Maxine Waters out. And um, it, I view this as all the judge's fault anyway. The jury should have been sequestered. I don't know what the hell. It, it's totally, it's incomprehensible why he didn't sequester the jury. Um, so I, I think if I were an appeals judge, not that I, like, the lawyers don't need to say, you're not a lawyer, you don't know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, fuck you. Uh, if I were an appeals judge, I would say, mistrial just on that. I would be like, oh, the jury wasn't sequestered. Like, no way. No way. There's, there's no way this is fair. Yeah. That, that alone, that alone is, is enough to just, you know, I don't know if it's a mistrial or a retrial. I don't think you can do a retrial on something. I don't know the rules, but anyway. All right, let's just, do some. We should, we should look back at history at what were trials like in, in Marxist countries? <laughs> what were, tri what oh, wow. were trials like? Because I think we were going to get closer to whatever that was. <laughs> well, or as we mentioned earlier, it, it can be that <laughs> revolutionary France. Uh, that, that's that's the the trials, an accusation, and then you better vote to behead him because if you don't, you'll be next on the block. And you'll even be, if you do, you might be next on the block. Yeah, right? then you'll be beheaded. Um. All right. Second Amendment self defense law says you cannot have a discussion about the reality about reality from a person who doesn't believe in objective reality. Yes. Um. Yes. In fact. <laughs> I'm in this um, other book club that's not an unsafe space book club, and uh, what the the rules <laughs> about the beginning of the book club? The guy running it was like, "We only have one rule. You have to you have to agree that there's objective reality. Like you have to. We can't have discussions. So like it's cool if you want to be a postmodernist and and say there's no objective reality. You just can't be in the book club because <laughs> we can't talk to you." Uh, which I think is totally correct. Um, you can't. So you, you're cheating on our book club with an objectivist book club? I <laughs> never said that we were monogamy. Um, uh, this was a monogamous <laughs> relationship, Gary. Uh, <laughs> I didn't know. I, <laughs> it means nothing to me, the other book club, guys. It's just, <laughs> it means it's just Italians. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> Pirate Tomsky. I have needs. Just <laughs> I have needs. I have objectivist needs. Pirate Tomsky is on screen. Pirate Tomsky says Oscar ratings went from forty three point seven million in two thousand fourteen to twenty three point six million twenty twenty to nine point eight million last night. Get woke, go broke, folks. I didn't even know the Oscars were happening. I was going to say me neither. And, yeah. Until. <laughs> Uh, and we're stuck at home with nothing to do but watch the Oscars. So that's amazing. Right. Here's actually, I'm th thankful that you brought this up, Pirate Tomsky, because this is how I knew the Oscars were happening. I saw this headline last night. Oh, my gosh, Carter. Re read a super chat. I'm going to send you this, and then I want to talk about it. All right. I didn't even know they were happening until Pirate Tomsky just said that. Adam Coleman says, can both of you talk about your first teenage knife fight? Apparently, we've <laughs> all, all been involved or witnessed it, according to Kathy Griffin. Yeah. I mean, there are so many, Adam, it's hard to really pick one particular teenage knife fight out from the fray. Um, so, yeah, I think the closest I got to a teenage, I did get in 
a couple fights, but they were fist fights. Uh, and I don't know, I don't know anyone who got in a knife fight actually as a child. Hey, what do you know? Um, gigawatts. Oh, 1.21 gigawatts. That makes more sense. Uh, I <laughs> says Russian bot carry in uh, Russian bot Carter posters, please. Oh, that was the one I was thinking okay. about before. Uh, I will pause super chats though if you want to bring up this photo that you just uh, sent me. Hold on for a sec. So this was an article in USA Today, and I mean, this is amazing. This is amazing. And we're just going to read the first two paragraphs of this article, and I want to see what you guys think about this. Based based on the headline, what do you think you're going to see? The headline of the USA Today piece is, it was thrilling to see diversity in this year's Oscar winners. The finale ruined it. So... I'm reading this like, oh gosh, what happened in the finale? What happened yeah. in the finale that ruined yeah. ruined the thrill of seeing diversity in the Oscar winners? What happened in the finale that ruined it, USA Today? Okay, Carter, I'm going to let you read. Since you haven't read this yet, I want you to read out loud the first two paragraphs of this piece, which is the next image. Well, I just want to say before we start, I haven't looked at it yet. There better not be cis white men in this. Just All just, right. Let's see what ruined it. At Sunday's 93rd annual Academy Awards, Chloe Zhao, Zhao, sorry, became the first woman of color to win Best Director for Nomadland, which also won Best Picture. Daniel Kaluuya, Judas and the Black Messiah, and Yu Jung Yoon, Minari, clinched the supporting actor races. Mia Neal and Jamika Wilson became the first black woman to win in the makeup and hairstyling for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Okay. These wins made the major awards at the end of the night all the more shocking. <laughs> the, wait, wait. Because there was diversity earlier. See, you got to have all diversity or none. The best actor and actresses races didn't go to actors of color and many prognosticators who had, had expected. Chadwick Boseman and Viola Davis, whom I assume are white. No, 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 they, no, they didn't. Let me read this part. These wins made the major awards at the end of the night all the more shocking. The best actor and actress races didn't go to actors of color that many prognosticators oh, oh, had expected, Chadwick Boseman and Viola Davis. Instead, they went to Anthony Hopkins and Francis McDormand. Oh, okay, sorry. So what's the problem here? This person said the finale <laughs> ruined the whole Oscars. Why? Why? And that it was shocking. Shocking. The finale was shocking. It was shocking. Why? Because white people won. <laughs> like, it's always shocking what? when Anthony Hopkins wins an award for acting. I know. Or Francis McDormand, for that matter. <laughs> How shocking. <laughs> you ruined it, Oscars. You ruined it. <laughs> That's the whole piece. I mean, there's there's more paragraphs, but that's the whole piece. I'm like, wait, but did something shocking and horrible happen? Uh, no, it's just that white people won. <laughs> there was no, there was nothing said that was incendiary. There was no faux pas or there was no, nobody bum rushed the stage. I, I got to admit, I was just expecting it to be white people that won. And I didn't know the names of the other people, so... I, I assumed Chadwick and Viola Davis were white. <laughs> no, they're <laughs> no. not. I think it's hilarious you don't know Viola Davis, but that's okay. No. Um, 
Johnny Quick Draw. I just had to get that bit in because I that headline is hysterical when you read what they're saying. It was ruined. Why? Because white people won. Johnny Quick Draw. Our situation is the result of a small group of very loud, very militant authoritarians. But they have a large enough minority that people fear possible consequences and fear breeds compliance. It doesn't take many to rule. Um, Liberty Solution says, do you learn a lot about feminism from a feminist discussing the feminist position on BLM, but not much about BLM? Do you learn a lot about feminism from a feminist discussing the feminist position on BLM, but not much about BLM? Uh, probably. I don't mean you may be learned about. Yeah. You learn about feminism, I guess. Modern feminism. Baratomsky says, uh, he's, I think he's now, we're, we're back. We're talking about Kenosha. I watched it on Destiny's stream, and he was big knob the whole time. Oh, you said this before. Oh, no, we already did that one. That was about the Big ugly yeah. clowno. The best thing I can we say about Destiny. Oh, we read that one, too. Sorry. Oh, uh, Zion Reborn says, the Supreme Court took the New York right to carry Second Amendment case. I saw that, which is interesting. Um, New York State Rifle and Pistol Association against Corlett is, is now being taken up by the Supreme Court, which is, uh, I mean, it could be good. The Supreme Court is a little bit more pro-Second Amendment, I, I presume, now that it's a 6-3 quote, I'll put conservative in quotes because I, I don't know what that means anymore. But um, yeah, it could be good. It could be good. So this is the case where New York has, it's a its a concealed carry case. I don't know if it's even concealed. It's just carry. It's about whether you have a right to carry your firearm around. Um, and states like New York and California obviously heavily regulate and prohibit that, and it's being challenged. So uh, it's nice. I don't think the Supreme Court has seen a case like this for a while. It's been a while since they've looked at a Second Amendment case. So it could be good. I just, I'm just laughing reading the super chat on screen right now by Why Bother, imagining a world in which maestro Anthony Hopkins wins Oscar, and it's shocking! What a time to be alive! He's like it's one of the best actors ever. <laughs> it's shocking! <laughs> also, quick note, if you read the rest of that USA Today piece about how the Oscars were ruined in the finale because white people won, if you read the rest of it, they go through uh, the, who won in each category, and they don't really tell you anything about the actors or their performance or how anything about why they were great. They literally just catalog their immutable characteristics. They say, this person won and they're the first Asian woman to win in this category. And this person won and they're the first Muslim person to win in this category. And this person won. And even when they said Anthony Hopkins, they said, and he's the oldest person to win. I mean, it was all about sex and race and sexuality. You can, you can picture the little notebook. Check. 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 Oh, missing. Missing white guy, but at least he's old. But he's white, but old. But we don't care about old, do we? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, well, that's, I'm going to put a question mark next to that one. Um, is he woke? Maybe he's woke, at least. The gay rascal Or smart says, enough to keep his mouth shut. The gay rascal says, and all heterosexual just as I expected. He's talking about the, the Oscar winners. <laughs> How do you know, Gay Rascal? Maybe not. Uh, Christopher Gorey 
says, Kara, you know I adore you and almost always agree, but not on this one. Respect should always be given. Of course, it can be lost. Maybe it's an issue of unintentionally arguing semantics sometimes. Yeah, it's probably semantics because I think I think you would agree, Christopher, that, I mean, maybe you wouldn't, but when you meet people, do you automatically respect them? I don't. I don't know anything about them. It it, it probably is semantics because I, I maybe, maybe like with love, there's different degrees of the word. I treat someone with civility. I see that they're a human being, obviously, and and worthy of me treating them in good faith and with civility until I have reason to take away my good faith until I have reason, you know, uh, but but I, I treat them with civility, but I don't respect them because for me that word means something that's earned. I heard Jordan Peterson talking about this once and it, and it, and it you know, to, to give credit where it's due, um, he, I think, from what I recall, it's been a long time, but he was talking about the difference between respect and civility or something like it. And that really resonated with me because it's, it, it's true. Respect is something that is earned. There are very few people I have a high degree of respect for, you know, I guess it's a thing of degrees. I think it's a thing of degrees because I, I as much as I agree with you in the sense that you're using the word respect, um, you could just argue that civility is just offering someone a minimal level of respect based on the fact that they're a human being and like right. there's okay. a certain amount of respect for human life and human beings as free agents you know and like that you grant people uh it's not a lot of respect it's not grandfather respect but it's a little bit and we call that a little bit of respect civility that's what we call it um that's why I'd and you're allowed to withdraw it. it and be uncivil the minute they demonstrate that they don't they don't they don't uh, deserve civility and even that even that modicum of respect isn't deserved right. like then you can withdraw that too yeah it's probably but that's why i like to differentiate it and say i will offer them civility even yeah. if that's defined as a modicum of respect <laughs> that i will offer them civility but i'm not going to respect them like i do my grandpa right unless they show me reason um, um Super i have Iron to take Bob. a quick oh. break i'll be okay, right back take a break Come back. Super Ryan Bob says, pronouns are not about you, not for you. Therefore, the speaker and listener. It's pure egotism to not recognize how badly you impact communication. Yeah, I mean, it's weird, right? Because it is a it is a an agreement between the speaker and the listener. So someone that isn't pushing it that says hi like i you know that wants to tell me like i identify as he him or whatever um but they're kind of cordial and normal and not trying to force speech well you're much more likely to use that the pronouns that they want um because getting back to civility and respect just to show it's a sign of uh being civil and treating them treating them well um, but the minute someone says you have to, you know, you must use blah, 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 and you're, you know, transphobic if you don't, well, that makes me not want to use it. Because, uh, cause, you know, it's not respectful, by the way. Speaking of respect, it's quite disrespectful to tell other people what they what words they must use around you. Um, Kelly Lamb, you deserve, you guys deserve more than this for taking one for the team and covering this creepy kids gender stuff. Oh, thank you, Kelly. <laughs> 
Christ says that Twitter convo was straight out of 1984. Referring to the uh, gendered Twitter convo earlier. Um, Tarmanel says, I was catching up on older shows and I heard a few unkind teasing words about Czechoslovakia, Carter. Uh-oh. But when I compare it with massive Czech joke section about Americans, we still went on teasing. <laughs> I do cheat. I do tease to the Czech Republic sometimes, pro- usually because um, we have someone who I don't see in chats today, but we have uh, we have a Czechoslovakian friend who usually beep bop boops us and tells us to be tells us that we're Russian bots and that kind of stuff. All right, TPS says discomfort equals normal development which is not equal to uh, trans-censored. I'm not sure of the last part. Um, But yeah, discomfort is normal. Um, And part of building a robust psychology and and part of raising someone who can deal with the world is allowing there to be moments of discomfort and, you know, helping them to get around discomfort, no matter whether it's a trans issue or anything else, there will be people that don't like you for one reason or another who will not treat you well. Um, And if your response is there ought to be a law so that people call me the thing I want and treat me the way I want, you haven't grown up. Uh, Big Ugly Clowno says, I'm trying to be less sheepish about my poetry. I have something rough from today about censorship. If you would like to read it, how should I send it? Uh, well, if it's long and n- not like a limerick, you can super chat a limerick, and I'm sure Carrie will read it in her best Irish accent. But if it's longer, send it to speak at unsafespace.com. Speak at unsafespace. Uh, Cheeky Mare. Hey, Cheeky Mare. Cheeky Mare says, I'm co-leader of youth group. The leader always prays. I hope everyone feels seen and heard. I try not to eye roll. She doesn't like my pushback on some of the topics, no matter how respectful I am. Well, at least, at least it's just a, a wish that they feel that way, which isn't, which is much more of a kind of a benevolent attitude. It, it would be different if the leader was like, I'm, I'm going to force everyone to make sure that everyone else feels seen and heard. Like, well, you know, at, at least, at least this leader is keeping it to their internal, you know, I hope, I hope people feel seen and heard too, but you know, that doesn't mean I'm going to comply uh, when screamed at about to. what pronouns to use. It's like with the, huh? you know, with the, the threat of, with the government telling you you have to. Like or even Canada. not the government, even just a jerk who's yelling at me that I need to use a certain pronoun. I'm yeah. Like, I'm not, like, I don't need to. It's basically, um, but when it's the government doing it, it's like, like in Canada, it's with, as you always say, the government is implied by a force. It's, it's, it's at the end of a gun. It's like, you will make me feel seen and heard. <laughs> or I will like what? <laughs> no. Um, yeah. By the way, you have yeah. Never mind. I won't get into that. Okay. Uh. I, yeah. Were you gonna, Godzilla says. Were you gonna if, criticize my finger gun? No, I wasn't talking oh, about okay. you. Okay. Oh, okay. I was using the, <laughs> the general. I was gonna say that. Uh. I was going to say that at some point we we were going to start to have an obligation to stand up to this crap. Um, like like an actual, op, like a moral actual obligation. I, I already think you, you know, 
at this point, you're kind of obliged to pay as little in taxes as you possibly can. Um, and like, if you're not doing everything you can to not pay taxes, like, like if you can live on less money and one parent quit uh, their job and stay home and teach the kids and you guys earn less, do that. Whatever you can do to minimize your your tax contribution, because it's being used against us all. It's they are they are collecting right now. This is what socialists do. They scoop up the resources from a previously usually mixed capitalist economy or, or anything that's not socialism. They scoop up all the resources that were developed under non-socialism because that's their nest egg. And they're going to like, you know, that that's their that's their store for the winter of of socialism. So they're going to eat out of that for as long as they can to get to have their keep going with their socialism. And so you need to deny them that uh, they need to. They need to only eat the pro the fruits of socialism. <laughs> um, so let them withhold your hard-earned cash. And there's nothing good about what the government's spending money on right now. Almost nothing. Almost nothing. All right, Rodzilla says, if kids can consent to gender surgery, then they can consent to anything. Combined with yeah. push to destigmatize incest, love is love. It's all about legally being able to diddle kids. Yeah. Q weren't that crazy. I know that sounds super crazy, but I don't disagree with you. I think they are, I think there's definitely a, I would, I would say not most people pushing this, but there's definitely an element of the radical, the fringe element that sees where this will go and they like it and no one else is paying attention. Somebody in chat says, this is not a super chat, but I was just scrolling through and Penela Pere says pronouns are only used when talking about someone not with someone yeah that's how insidious this is is they want you to be your own censor your own internal thought police so that when they're not in the room you're still saying z and zim right and they and them and they want you to police other people i've had someone try to do that to me police me about someone who wasn't there and say Oh, they use, they use they, them pronouns. And I said, well, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Columbus Cynic uh, gives us 50 bucks. Thank you, Columbus Cynic. Says, what came first, the failure of parenting or the failure of society? It's like a chicken and egg question. Uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know. I think they redound upon one another. I don't. I don't I I think it's it is kind of like the chicken and egg literally um and the death of god the failure in the in the I think the, the failure of the church especially recently to provide like a a strong robust counterculture like uh, I just I just shared this clip and I'm going to plug it here cuz I think it's so important even if you're not a christian you may enjoy it my preacher, Bradley Helgerson, at Church on the Square, they have a clip out on their YouTube channel. It's, it's the Church on the Square YouTube channel, and it's a clip called um, The Failure of the Church During the Pandemic. And he makes a very compelling case, and it's just a clip, it's not the whole sermon, but he makes a very compelling case about the church, the churches that close their doors, that are getting their marching orders from Fauci, that are taking Fauci's opinion, not the medical, 
not the medical stats and the medical research, but Fauci's opinion about what to do about the stats, the medical research are taking that and are taking the government's opinion and are saying, well, I guess we'll just do what they say. That's, that's a failure. Yeah. I, saw, I mean, I, when I see this question, I, I don't even think about anything recent. I think of like, in some sense, uh, and sometimes I'm going to argue the failure of parenting happened first because I don't think we've ever had parenting correct in the history of humanity because it's not a question that we really have asked ourselves. Um, like we haven't really consciously thought too much about parenting. I mean, I guess some religions have rules uh, for parenting, but those are mostly uh, authoritarian-based parenting, which it makes sense because it's, it's religious. Um, but I don't think that we, until recently, have even had the tools to ask ourselves, how do you build an independent mind and what do you do to parent properly to maximize that? I don't, I don't know that we've been able to even ask that question. Um, like if you think about parenting a couple hundred years ago, it was like, keep them alive, get them out in the field so that you can, you know, get some help farming so that you can keep your next kids alive, have enough of them so that enough of them survive to run the farm. Like it wasn't, it was a very physical parenting was about like keeping them alive and some very practical things like that. Make sure they don't, you know, murder people, uh, like, you know, keep them alive, make sure they follow some basic rules. Um, and, and that was kind of it. And I think we didn't have the technology to even start asking questions like, Oh, well, what does it mean to be an independent thinker and how do you raise an independent thinker? And, and maybe we did a little bit. Uh, if you look at like the trivium in, in the middle ages, they knew how to teach thinkers. That's true. Um, a, a lot better than we did, but, uh, I don't think that was parenting. That was more maybe the educational system. So I, I'm going to go with, it was the failure of parenting. And I think we just haven't, once we solve parenting, society falls in line. You can fix everything in a couple generations if you parent well. Um, but parenting well is hard to convince people to do, and it's not even 100%. Like, it's not perfect. We don't really know. We're guessing at some things. So Yeah. Um, plus, there's genetics, which does play a role. Uh, so, all right. This is a one that just came up. G-Man, I'm going to read it out of order. You're absolutely mm -hmm. right, Carrie. Right now, the church is like the parents who like all their kids' artwork. It needs discipline and truth. <laughs> yes. It is like that, yeah. If you're going to church just to be coddled and told that you're awesome as you are and you don't need to make improvements, <laughs> you are going to. It is like you're looking for a parent to tell you your crappy artwork is good. <laughs> well, I mean, I think if you look at... I know, I know people who are fans of more authoritarian-style parenting disagree with me on this all the time. But, and I know parenting is a, is a hot button for a lot of people, but part of the problem is that we have generations of people who are totally being raised and have been raised to defer to authority. And that was fine for the conservatives when the authority was the conservatives <laughs> or like the state was a little bit more conservative. It was never, it hasn't been conservative for a long time, but when it was like a little bit more traditional values were in were, were dominant in, in society you guys all loved it that they were obedient to authority but 
those values have changed and they're still obedient to authority. How's it feel now? Right? You don't want obedience to authority. That's not that's not a fully self-actualized human. Like a fully grown human isn't just blindly obedient to authority. They don't they don't just do other stuff because their people around them do it. They don't do it because they're because Fauci said to or because they they trust authority figures. They're not looking for authority figures. A fully developed human being takes on the responsibility of thinking for themselves, and that's I actually think it's probably not super hard to to build into generations of kids, but it's certainly the opposite of what we've been doing. Uh, so, you know, in some sense, we've we've created this problem where the 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 more conservative traditionally conservative elements in society have not been you know they've been on board with authoritarian like like parenting that would create obedience and what they would call good citizenship and that those same attributes are are what compels them to obey the social justice doctrine so yeah I'm going to read the one on screen. Rock Lexicon gives us uh, 20 bucks. Thank you. And says, with all this woke fascism, how do I not come off sounding like Alex Jones when explaining current events to friends? I feel like Mr. Doom and Gloom. Carrie, have you heard of Live Not By Lies, a manual for Christian dissidents? Yes, several people have recommended that book to me. I know we've talked about it in here before. Um, I haven't read it yet. I, It's on my list. I really want to read this one. I've heard from so many people about that book that it's a great read so i want to get to it how do you not come off sounding like alex jones i mean we've talked we've joked about this before to someone who's thoroughly brainwashed and in the echo chamber you are going to sound like alex jones just accept it you will but you also don't have to be what i would say is is don't be forceful and aggressive with your views so a lot of times the people that i meet when i'm out and about in the world um i don't immediately start talking about all this stuff that we discuss on the podcast. You know, I'm, we, I get to know people talking about what they want to talk about or about the weather or about something that's happening in our town or, or what have you. And you're just friendly. And, and then if they have a question or if they say something, or maybe I say something, maybe it'll, maybe I'm the one that brings something up either way. Once they realize if they are super woke, once they realize you're not, or they start to get an inkling that you're not, well, then they, then it's harder for them to write you off as a crazy person because they know you're not crazy and they like you <laughs> and you've been hanging out. Do you know what I mean? So that would, and these, and you're saying with your friends, so these people presumably already like you and are your friends. So I would, I would start there. You don't have to talk about the cathedral, this, the cathedral, that, and use all the words that we use, but you could just start with something that, the left should agree with and that the actual progressives do agree with, which is that um, the media often works in collusion. For example, the media works in collusion with the intelligence agencies to sell us on endless war. This wasn't a controversial topic on the left until recently. The left is the people, we were the ones who were pointing this out for a long time. So that's something that you could really delve into and see if their opinions have changed on that. Because a lot of the people who are plugged into the cathedral and are brainwashed, they their positions suddenly changed on this. Suddenly they're like pro-intelligence agencies and pro-war. Why? Because Trump insulted the intelligence agencies. And because Trump didn't want us having it, you know, moving into endless wars. So they switched their position. 
just to be in opposition to him? That doesn't make any sense. I would start, I don't know. I'm rambling, but I would start with something you think that you might, they might have in common with you. I like asking questions. If you're going to have these conversations, I like just asking questions. And because I've had success with people, I don't do a lot of, I like, this is almost sounds like evangelism. Like I don't talk, I don't talk to people who are like, I don't, I don't go out and do that. Um, But asking questions is generally better because a lot of times it doesn't take many questions to, to get into a deeper, like they, they start thinking more deeply and they're like, oh, well, and thought of that. And, and you can actually remove the conversation. If you can ask questions that um, get them to remove the current political climate from the discussion, it doesn't take many questions to get to philosophy. And then you can have a discussion on a deeper level. And then they will rewind that in their head later. If you if you get to some philosophical discussion, they will then go replay that in their head later and start like applying that moving forward to politics themselves. But in the moment, they won't be triggered because you're not talking about politics or politicians that are alive right now or doing it. You're just talking about like, you know, um, a philosophic principle like authoritarianism or you're just talking about like oh compliance like oh you, you know it wouldn't take carry many questions to get to ask conformity studies and they can have a whole conversation about that and it doesn't have to be political at all right that's a, that's um, a great point that's exactly what happens i don't usually talk about politics whenever i do get into stuff with people we, we immediately get more into philosophy and that's because of the questions you ask and like you said the ask conformity experiments things like that that don't make them feel threatened right right and they'll go, they will go replay that in their head later and, and start realizing how it might apply to some of their views. And then they might come back and have uh, more conversations. So, um, Can I give an example? When sure. I used to work at, um, I worked at the Duke Primate Center when I was in school and in college and I gave tours there. And this is back when I had a negative opinion of Christian homeschooling groups because I actually had a negative experience with one. We had one who would come in who didn't believe in evolution. And but but it wasn't just that they didn't believe in evolution. They didn't want us taking the kids to the fossil part of the exhibit or talking about fossils at all. Um, they also eventually said they didn't want us talking about primate characteristics and, and describing in, in our classification you know, what are primates, which would include, you know, lemurs, lorises, bush babies, monkeys, apes, humans. They didn't want us lumped, lumping humans with, with primates. And so um, what I started doing on my tours is I would just talk about primate characteristics. So I'd say, you know, primates have an opposable thumb. They can move around like this. Primates have fingernails instead of claws. They have a post-orbital bar. Um, so that they're, if they're chewing on a piece of meat, like if you see a dog's eyes jiggle, it's cause there's, there's a hole right there behind it that they don't have that closure. Um, you know, I can't, there, there were two others, but I basically talked about, um, all five of the primate characteristics and then they do the work themselves in their head. Right. So if you're talking about the Ash conformity experiments, you don't have to say, can you see this playing out today with COVID with 75% of people complying? You don't have to say that because they'll do the work in their head. When I did, when I would talk about primate characteristics, invariably there would be some kid who would be like, are we primates? <laughs> it's like he did the work. I didn't have to say that. <laughs> right. So. Right. And it's much more powerful 
they will be much more convinced if they've come to that conclusion themselves. Yes. Um, so uh, it's not only is it a way to avoid some of the uncomfortable political conversation, but it's actually more effective. Um, but I, you know, just personally, I got to throw this out there. I am not in the mode where I'm trying to convince people. I think if you're out meeting new people, the best thing you can do is just be filtering and figuring out who is not uh, a mindless NPC and who, who, cause there are, I think there's a lot of silent people who hate this crap. You need to figure out who they are and build a community out of them. Yes. And so you should be, I would say, once you get to know someone, I just found out by the way, that one of my neighbors, this couple, they're co totally awake. They're not woke at all. They know all about CRT that in the schools, they're so awake. And I had no idea because we've always just been pleasant, but only talked about surface stuff. And it, you know, you you're don't both afraid know. to talk about it. Half the you time. don't know. Yeah, you just don't know. And they actually yeah. said about me, she was like, Oh, I thought because of the way you dress, you were totally woke. Oh, what? Why? Or like That's lefty. Reasonable. What? <laughs> what? But he was, but the husband said, well, but also you have a Johnny Ca Cash bumper sticker. So I wasn't sure. <laughs> but yeah, you never know. I meet people like that all the time. And it's so refreshing to then suddenly say, oh, wow. Now we can just start talking about real stuff. I'm so happy to know yeah. that about you. Yeah. 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 I hate small talk. So, um, All right. <laughs> Kent Uniferchuk, uh just gives us uh, money and says, no question or anything. Happy Monday. Thank you, Kent. Your mug is in the list. Uh, it's, it's in my living room in a box on its way. Uh, so uh, you read Christopher Gorey's all right, I think. Yep. Um, G-Man says, Rittenhouse has two major facts favoring his defense. One, he wasn't a cop. Two, he shot white people. Uh, the judge has made unbiased moves, so I'm hopeful. Well, I'm hopeful as well. Uh, I think that's another one of these things where it's it's like you watch the video and it's like, well, it's, it's self-defense. <laughs> I mean... It's it's self defense. It's self defense. So, Oceana twenty three says, uh, "Would you ra reach out to Jay Lee Quinn on Unblocked Live for an interview?" I don't know who that is. He's been covering the protests and has no idea why the media says it's white supremacists. <laughs> yes. Really? He has no idea. I would love to. Thank you for that. Carrie will explain that to him. Um. You guys, there's a lot of people in the chat today. It's so nice to see you. Did you do Marie's? Hi, I'm, Marie. I'm Busky. getting there. I'm not there yet. I'm, I'm just going to read it out of order. She says, "Money for manners and civility, a lost art, long overdue to be reclaimed." Oh, thank you, Marie. Also, that money is going to go in the swear jar because I don't know if you noticed, but Carter dropped one earlier. I heard. Well, it. Marie, I would prefer you just send it in chocolate. Um, I'm going to slightly disagree with Marie a little bit. Um, okay. I like manners and civility, but. Uh, you need there needs to be some level of shared values and just like there needs to be an agreement and objective truth to have a discussion there needs to be some underlying agreement in society to have civility and we do not our society is fractured to the point where civility isn't helpful like i don't 
I really don't think engaging people is helpful right now unless you're engaging NPCs who or like people who like don't understand or like are leaning in one direction. Like, but the actually engaging the other side, they don't want to engage. They they don't want to engage, and they don't have to engage. And it's it's mostly a waste of time. It's like a, you know, you can do that, but I don't. At what point can you stop being civil? Like, do you need to be civil to the people in Ordinary Men that we read about? Like, at what point does the authoritarian overlords, what, what point can you stop being civil to them? And what people, at what point can you stop being civil to the people who support them? And, you know, I don't, I actually don't care about being civil to them anymore. Maybe, does that make me a bad I, person? Well, I, I, I believe in being civil until they give me reason not to. And even sometimes being civil past the point at which they've given me reason not to, depending on the context and the person. It just depends. Right, but what I'm saying is they have given me reason. Oh, but not every person point. you meet. Do you know what I mean? You don't know what this... Well, no, random... no, not every person I right. meet. No, no, but those, like the people on the radical left at this point, like... No, but I'm saying when you meet a new person... Who is a social justice warrior? If you, you have know no that, information about them, yeah, you don't know that yeah. individual. But you, even if you know they believe in social justice, let's say they're at a conference to speak about it, I still treat them with civility, even though I know that their beliefs are different than mine. Why not? Why wouldn't I? I don't know. If I met Robin D'Angelo, I'm not sure I would be civil to her. I would be. I think I know enough about her that okay. I don't need to be civil to her. I wouldn't be like intentionally. I wouldn't like go up to her and yell at her. I just don't, I don't think I would yeah. be civil to her. Um, if she like asked me what time it was, I would be like racist. I'm not going to. Time is, time is racist. Right. Uh, B. Allen <laughs> so, says, for those who demand equity, 96% of those killed by police lack a cervix. Yes, that is a good point, B. Allen. They don't care about that point. Um, cervi people fact, with cervix, that's what they call us now. I know. Wait, I'm going to pull this up, though. I, I, I happen to have this sitting here because this, this is the kind of weirdo I am. But this tab's already open on my computer. Number of people shot to death by police in the United States from 2017 to 2021 by gender. Look at that. Male, female, unknown. <laughs> Very few unknowns. Look at that. Look at the Look at that. For, for people who are only listening, it's, uh, let's see, 2017, 940 males, 45 females. So it's more than 99%, by the way, or, nine, or more than 96%. Um, 2018, 942 to 53, 961 to 43, 983 to 38. 2021's data is too new. Yeah, you know. Hey, is there a war on men? I mean, there is, but we won't talk about that. This is this is one. This is actually a great question to ask someone if you ever get into this discussion, because they would probably look at that and say, "Well, yeah, but men are are committing more of the crimes." Hmm. But if it's about race, they don't say that. Oh, wait a minute! Wait a minute! Did you just say men are committing more of the crimes, Carrie? Hmm. <laughs> Prevalence rate of violent crime in the United States from 2014 to 2019 by race or race. Or ethnicity. It turns out, hmm, there's, there are certain groups that commit more crimes. Violent crimes, by the way. But that's, that's where they're <laughs> hypocrites, because they will look at the this, this figures about sex and say, 
well, it's okay that most of the people killed by cops are men instead of women because it's men who there's more interactions with men. And when you point out um, there are more interactions with between cops and black people than between for whatever reason, we don't have to get into the reasons or the why, just stating a fact that that's true, um, they, they will reject that. They will reject that stat, which is true. Because they don't I like mean, the they don't like the implied why they as, they imagine an implied why, I think. Oh, they assume it's some sort of racism. Yeah, they assume why. it's some um, uh, that that you're therefore saying that black people are inferior because they commit more crime, which isn't what's being right. said at all. And I think actually, if you could just to get them to accept reality, accept the fact that there's more interactions between cops and black people than there are between cops and white people, that there are more black people committing crime as a percent of the overall black community than there are white people committing crime. If you get them to accept that fact, then you could actually maybe figure out the why and address the why and look at all the myriad of reasons why that is true, but you can't even get them to accept the fact. It's, it's kind of, it's just such a weird denial. And to me, it, it betrays the fact that they don't actually care about fixing it. They don't actually care about that's why they also don't want you to talk about the high rate of, of black people and black children who are killed by black people they don't want you to talk about that because and if they if they wanted to fix it then they would accept that it's a fact and look at the reasons and let's have let's have a conversation and try to identify the reasons why this is happening but you can't do that right. so it's like they don't even want to fix it right yeah. And by the way, someone just said cops look at blacks with more scrutiny. Scrutiny, maybe. That maybe that's true. a conversation you can have. I, I will say that the um, the violent look- crime rates are they are corroborated by uh, victim reporting, not just arrest data. So, um, and they're mostly against other blacks. So and you could also it's not say by the a way a bunch of racists reporting black people it's black people reporting black people. But to go back to that statement and again to compare it to sex you could also say well cops look at men with more scrutiny than they look at women. There's some truth to that too. Right. There is some truth. And to that. why is that? Yeah. And there's some truth to that about cops looking at black people with more scrutiny and why is that? Right. They look at men yeah. with more scrutiny if if it's late at night and Carter's walking alone in a hoodie or whatever and and uh, on a street like you're gonna get probably more i don't know maybe more attention from a cop than me if i were walking well, along in a hoodie and, and i think and th- and there's some way uncomfortable conversations you can start to have like let's just talk about it with men men do commit more violent crimes than women by far more violent crimes than women so is it wrong for a police officer to assume to not assume, but to like to be slightly biased and expecting that it's a man that committed a crime. I'm like, well, it's not always true. They can't rule out that it was a female, but it is mostly a guy. So if they're looking for a serial murder, their profiler is going to be like, well, he's a male. I mean, that's the, they're going to assume that they're going to limit their, I mean, to a much larger extent than they do with race, they're going to limit their, their scope of potential suspects to men. Which is usually the correct thing to do, but not always. And also, and actually look at it, look at race and sex when it comes to things like, um, uh, like the DC sniper. They, based on, based on 
case studies based on stats, based on history and facts. And they assumed that the DC sniper was a man, and they also assumed he was white. Well, he turned out to be black. So that was he was an anomaly. But for the type of crime he was committing, they were right. I would say to assume that he's probably going to be a white man. Right, and I and we and there are some really you know with respect to you know crime by racial category i mean there there are some really serious and difficult conversations to have which is like why why is it that it's largely black men and or or that disproportionately we'll say black men why is it and has it always been that way and has it changed and like you know jesse jackson said i'm sure he's tried to delete this from everywhere on the internet by now but i remember jesse jackson making a comment at one point that uh if he was if he was walking down the street and he saw a group of young black men, he would be like afraid of them. <laughs> like that, like that was a, he was afraid of young black men, Jesse Jackson, um, because there was a higher potential for criminality. Now it's completely racist and horrible to assume that just cause you meet someone and he's a young black man that he's a criminal. I mean, that's, that's a horrible racist thing to do and you should treat people like individuals. But when you start asking, when you're starting to look at data and you're using um, statistical data to justify uh, sweeping changes or to claim that systemic racism, or then if you're going to start to use that aggregated data to make sweeping claims about something that's happening on a society level, then you start having to ask real questions about the data. You can't just say, well, I'm going to look at the stats and make the sweeping generalization that it's systemic racism and I'm done. If you're going to look at the stats at that level, then you need to go a little bit deeper than that. And you need to start asking why you can't just assume it's the cause you want it to be. Mm-hmm. So I don't know the answer, by the way, to any of this. But Well, the other thing that strikes me as you're talking about this is when it comes to crimes, like you said, when it comes to crimes that uh, white men are more likely to commit, like the like if there's a school shooter or if there's a sniper, for example. Right, like more they, likely a white young man. It's more likely a young white man. And mm-hmm. and that's why they were wrong in their assumption about the DC sniper. He turned out to be an anomaly. He was a black guy doing it. But I think they were right to have that assumption going in. It, it's probably going to be this. But because we accept that, we we look at that and we all accept that that's, that's what the stats say, right? Because we accept that, then we get to have the conversation about why. Now, it's not a conversation because they're not allowing us to talk about any possible reasons other than the why that they want us to believe. The why that they want us to believe is white supremacy. That's it. They just want to say, oh, it's white supremacy. They don't want to talk about any other possible, even when the guy, like the massage parlor shooter, said, I have a sex addiction. I targeted sex places. I was going to hit up a porn place after this. Like, I, it was about sex and porn. And they're like, nope, it's white supremacy. <laughs> Like they, even when they tell you the, what the motives are, they're like, no, it's white supremacy. But at least they want to tell us a why for that, even though they just want to do a one-sided preaching and when it doesn't even fit the, the facts. But when it comes to why is there more crime uh, uh, in, in black cities in particular, in cities, not in rural areas, why is there more black on black crime? They don't even tell us. They don't even let us have, they don't let us have the conversation and they don't even give us a why. And if they do give us a why, it's like a half-hearted, well, white supremacy. Again, like they don't, there's no, 
you don't even get to have that discussion though because they don't even want to admit the, the, the stats or the state of things yep i mean you don't really need any more evidence that we're screwed than the fact that you can't say facts you can't have facts you can't say you can't facts, yeah. discussion yeah uh-huh so um all right let's do some more super chats uh da, da, da. I think, did you read the one from the gay rascal that says being gay still mean man's, wait, being gay still man's some points to score. Any gay Oscar hopefuls would be out by now. Thank you, gay rascal. Carter <laughs> still means some points to score. <laughs> oh, okay. I was having trouble parsing it. Sorry. That's okay. Um, <laughs> You're Andrew fine. Joyner says Western society is a victim of its own success. They usually destroy themselves from the inside. Well, that's certainly true for us, right? Um, Big ugly yeah. clown. I'm going to read this one out of order. Says Coleman Hughes okay. said that Jamaican Americans in New York City are pulled over at the same rate as whites. Explain how racist cops can tell the difference. They can't. Yeah. Well, I think there was that study in New Jersey about um, pulling blacks over. This was cited heavily about claiming that on the turnpike they were they were disproportionately giving speeding tickets or pulling over black males or blacks. I guess probably men. Men speed. Um, but and it was used to justify that like oh look they are disproportionately pulling over blacks. But then if you look at the underlying data, it was like, oh, but they were speeding more. So, <laughs> all right. Actually, if you adjust for speeding, they were pulling them over slightly less. Just like if you adjust for interactions with the police between men and right. women or between white people and black people. Yeah, it's the same. That 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 study and a few others came up on the panel uh, this weekend at the Better Discourse Conference. And oh, I was did it? thinking of you. I was thinking, oh, Carter should be here. Yeah. Um, Carter was happy. Home. Boxing up grenade mugs. Um, Andrew Knapp says, thanks for the episode. Nice to hear normal people just call it for what it is. I'm shocked how so many around me just surrendered their freedom. But look at me like I'm a conspiracy theorist. Yeah. Like we're, so I want to, can I say something about this and the conspiracy theorists and, and down is up, up is down, how they're making society right now, in my opinion, is mad. It's mad. And they're looking at people who are saying and saying, you guys are bad which is like that old um, St. Anthony quote. I don't have it in front of me, but some of you will recognize it. There will come a time when the girl will go mad and, and all the men who are mad will look at the man who is not and say, something's wrong with you. You're not like us, you're mad. That's what's happening. And I was talking about this with uh, my housemate who is on the left there are a lot of people on the left. Somebody said this in chat earlier. There are a lot of hippies and people on the left who are awake, not woke. And a lot of people who um, are not getting the vaccine and who do not believe in masks who are on the left. It is a lie that the media wants us to believe this is a right-left thing. It is not. It's an authoritarian versus individualism thing. That's what it is. And it's also a health thing. People who are more into natural foods, natural health remedies, are also skeptical of injecting a new vaccine into themselves until there's a lot more testing. And so um, 
I was talking about this with my housemate because this is how mad the world has gotten. She's a massage therapist. She's now had several people contact her and ask her if she is vaccinated. These are clients she's had before, who she's worked on before, and who she's worked on in the past year during COVID and, you know, would wear a mask and they wear a mask on her. So she's now had people say, I've gotten the vaccine. If you don't have the vaccine, then I can't let you give me a massage. I'm going to have to go to a vaccinated masseuse. Sorry, she doesn't like that word. A vaccinated massage therapist. (laughs) And here's what's insane about this. Just think about this for a second. If you have the vaccine, why are you afraid? If it works, why are you afraid of being around someone who's unvaccinated? Because you know it doesn't work. And we've seen the numbers of people who got the vaccine who are still getting COVID. You know it doesn't work. Don't say it doesn't work because we'll get kicked off of YouTube. I'm sorry. Okay. You know. We don't know. You, okay. No, no. You know that you can still get and transmit COVID even if you've gotten the vaccine. They admit this. You can still get and transmit COVID even if you've gotten the vaccine. Therefore, you want to be around somebody else who's gotten the vaccine who could still get and transmit COVID to you. Like, it doesn't make any sense. It's like, I've... I've got the vaccine, um, but you don't, and I can't be around you because I know I can still get it. I know I can still get COVID, um, but I'm going to be around this person who's gotten the vaccine who can still transmit COVID. What? And now people are losing business. People who work with in in you know that type of job where whether you're a physical trainer. Or, massage therapists or but they're losing clients from this in what i would say is insane paranoia and it it doesn't make any sense and it's like well hey can't we just do what we've been doing all year which is that we both wear a mask if that makes you feel better no i gotta go to a vaccinated person right and i I don't think any vaccine is 100 has 100 percent efficacy by the way um right but yeah I, i the thing that's funny to me the J and J vaccine, I kind of understand it's like a vaccine. Like, so if you take the flu vaccine normally, like, okay, it's, it's, it's a normal vaccine. The thing that I think it's funny is a lot of these people I'm in the Bay area. So I guess there's a lot of these people around a lot of these people who are like, I don't eat GMO tomatoes. I only have organic tomatoes. I don't eat GMO fruit because it's genetically modified and you never know. And GMO, GMO is a problem. And then you're like, Hey, want some gene therapy? for a brand new virus first time we've tried it sign me up yeah give me the gene therapy i don't want to eat genetically modified food but you know hit me up with that new vaccine that new mmri okay let me read this just so i make sure i'm representing uh all sides or all opinions this is from nerdy girl she says the vaccine is still very effective and can prevent transmission the data says it's very unlikely to get and transmit the virus with the vaccine the public health messaging is terrible on this well that may be the case because i've seen a lot of articles even in the legacy media about how you can still making sure that everyone knows you can still get and transmit it so maybe i've maybe the messaging is terrible um <laughs> but what regardless i think what you're seeing the 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 this what what's happening to some of the people who are more fearful doesn't make any sense and if they stopped and thought about it for a while i just don't i don't think it makes any sense at all it's like i can't be around you unless you've gotten this thing that i've gotten to protect me from you it's it's (laughs) not about risk it's about compliance 
Uh, I'm just laughing because people in chat are making fun of. I guess I have wet armpits. Hey, I sweat, man. This is the this is the advantage you get of being over the internet. You don't have to smell it. I'm in this room alone. You can see me, and uh, I usually don't raise my arm enough that you can see sweaty armpits, but it happens. Well, um, I personally, by the way, and this is just anecdotally, but my sister, who's a nurse, got the vaccine early, and mm -hmm. she still she still got she still got COVID. I mean, I know someone personally who got the vaccine and still got COVID, but. Yeah. Um, all right. Jeanette W. says, I always feel like watching Unsafe Space is a palate cleanse for the never-ending wokeness assault we face day to day. Thank you both. Thank you, Jeanette. Uh, yeah, oh, it's not going to end. Jeanette. I know who that is. Michael Toll says, no worries about our chat, Carrie. I knew you were busy. No big deal. Hi, Michael. We're going to see um, Michael in August. I should, we should plug actually. So if you would like to come to the unsafe space retreat in August, we still have day passes available that gets you into all the events at the ranch on Saturday. You just have to find your own lodging. It's not a bad deal. The It's the best price. You don't have to pay for the lodging, but you will have to find it. So if you're local or something, that's a good, that's a good deal to come that day. Uh, let's see. Rodzilla says Brett Weinstein's podcast with Geert Vanden Bosch about mass vaccination mass vaccinations is a must 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 see. Um, oh, I want to see that. I haven't seen that, but I did see a, a brief clip of him talking about a study which I didn't read yet, but it's on my to do list. Um, uh, that talks about I guess I guess it turns out that COVID doesn't transmit very well at all outside, and it has. It's not just the UV characteristics of the sunlight. There's something beyond the UV that apparently, uh, according to what he was saying, there's something beyond the UV that makes it difficult for COVID. In fact, he would, Brett was saying even at night, transmission rates are, are low uh, outside, which is kind of interesting. That is interesting. Uh, yeah. Uh, this is not a super chat, but No Way Back says... Will you all be vaccinated at the retreat? <laughs> <laughs> I need to know before I come. <laughs> no kidding. Um, okay, final super chat that I see here okay. is from Thomas St. Thomas. And he correctly points out, if you can't see the difference between Jamaican, Jamaicans and American blacks, that is even more racist, man. That's what he says. It's racist, man. So... Thank you, Thomas St. Thomas. I've enjoyed <laughs> hanging out with you guys today. I'm sorry I missed you all on Friday. Carter, you did a great job. And it was fun on Friday. Yeah. Fun. You know what I think I'm going to do today if I have time? Um, I want to do a video about... So so as I mentioned before, I joined some of these groups on Facebook called Unmask... Like one's called Unmask Austin. There's another called Unmask Williamson County. And by being in those groups, I've realized there's there are a lot of people who want to go maskless, but who are afraid. I'm not talking about people who don't want to go maskless. I'm talking about people who do want to go maskless, but are afraid. And there's a lot of posts from people in there who, as they work up the nerve to go into different stores and things. And, and um, I, 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 I hadn't considered that in the right way until I started joining those groups. And so I just want to do a, kind of a fun video about how to um 
how to be rebellious and not be how to be compliant without being compliant. Do you know this this trip to Milwaukee? Um, I took four flights because it was you know I had a layover each way. I was in three airports, and I didn't wear the mask at all in the airport, except I didn't I didn't even wear it in the security line until right when I had to walk through the metal. I put all my stuff on the thing and everything. Nobody said anything to me until I had to walk through the metal detector. Then I pulled it up, walked through the metal detector, literally pulled it down and got all my stuff and nobody said anything. I didn't wear it in the whole airport. I didn't wear it at any shop. Nobody said anything, even though they have signs everywhere. I didn't wear it on the shuttles. Nobody said anything. Um, the only other time I wore it was when I got in line to board, you know, wore it at, over my nose as I was boarding. As soon as I sat down in my seat, pull it down. I even had it around my neck on two of the flights the whole time. And they keep saying things over the system about how you have to have it up over your nose. I, I'm just saying this because, and, and what I did is if, if I saw them coming by, I would eat and drink something as they came by. Now, some airlines are more lax than others, and there's some absolutely that you cannot get away with that. But I want to encourage people to push. I want to do a video that's just like encourage people to push the limits. If you want to be disobedient, then you need to start practicing it and just be prepared for them. If somebody does send you something, already know what you're going to do. So, for example, when I go into stores, I don't care how many signs they have saying you have to wear a mask. If I haven't been in there before and I don't know how they're going to react, I won't wear it. I will make them say something to me. And half the time they don't. A lot of these stores that say you have to wear a mask. I go in without a mask, they say nothing. If if I do go into one that says, excuse me, you need to wear a mask, well, then I'll pull it up. That's it. it I, I mean, I know there's fear, but there's not a lot of fear if you think through what you'll do if they say something. So I think that's a great, I think that's a great idea and that's a great point because people often fear something much worse than the reality. And yeah you know what you don't have to decide in advance i'm going to be i'm going to make a big scene and cause a bunch of problems and leave the store and blah 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 you can decide that oh i'm just going to be reminded and then i will comply like that's yes. my that's my step one step one is just force them to say something because yes. that's a minor thing just forcing them to say something they're not you're not going to get you know you're not going to get kicked out of the store or whatever, you'll, you'll get a verbal warning first. That's, that's fine. Make them do it. Don't be so uh, conflict avoidant that right. you won't even let them say, you won't even force them to say anything to you. Force them yeah. to say something. That's a great force idea. them to say something. I even, um, I'm also going to give some tips for flying in general. Like I don't think you should do first class because they pay more attention to you. The one bad experience I ever had was last year it was on Delta and it was in a first class seat. And I don't know if it was Delta or if it was the fact that it was first class, but they would not, they did, they had eyes on me the whole time. That's when I played that game with them where I kept moving the mask up and down. <laughs> but, but, uh, but you know, just know you don't have to do that. You could just, but, but anyway, I want to give tips. And like you said, force them to say something. I even, I even would do, cause I have a, the bandana makes it, I, you know, just pull it up and, American has now decided, I guess some other airlines have, that you can't wear the bandana. You have to wear one of those stupid medical looking ones. And so I would make them say that every time. When I did go to get right on the plane, you know, I'd pull it up right at the last minute and then they would say, oh, I'm sorry, we don't allow that kind anymore. And I'll go, oh, oh, you don't? And then they would say, we've got another one here for you. And then, you know, 
let them see you putting it. Cause my thing is actually not to cause it. I want to be able to get through the flight and breathe the whole time. That's my goal. It's not to cause a big right. scene, but I do make them say that to me and give me the other one. They get to see me put it over my nose as I walk on the flight and then take it down <laughs> after I'm past them. You know, I don't know. Just be more, like you said, force you, you can still comply, but make them, make them say something. Yep. Anyway. Um, that's the whole video. I don't have to do it now. We'll clip it. I'm kidding. I'm joking. I'm still going to do it. <laughs> you should have someone follow you around with a camera doing it at places. Carter, I have some funny stories. We don't have time to get into them now, but I have some funny stories yeah. about the mask. You know, I'll tell them in that video. <laughs> um, all right. Well, uh, I think we have one more super chat from Little Ragamuffin. She says, Little I find it awfully ironic that the people who cried defund the police and are so afraid of compliance with authority are the same ones complying with authority. COVID culture. She yeah. capitalizes the cult part. Yeah. Culture. Yeah, well, like we talked about earlier, um, I think they they need to have some feeling of independence. And so I think maybe the more that they comply with COVID stuff and the and the general social justice thought police, the more they'll want to have some other non-compliant area of their life, whatever that is. I'm not sure what that looks like, but maybe it looks like, you know, rioting and who knows what. I think we should start calling all riots insurgencies. Um, that's my new yes. thing. So when they, whenever, when there's a riot in like Portland or whatever, I'm just going to say the Portland insurgency. That, yes. That's what it, it was an, everything's an insurgency now. Yeah. It's going to be my new. Let's do it. Anything. So, all right. I think we've, we've been going for more than two hours. Yeah. I got to go to the post office and mail people's mugs. Um, Thank you guys for tuning in. We yeah. have book club coming up on Sunday, May 2nd. And you still have time to get it. Get the book. We're doing Douglas Adams, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. It's free to join and be a part of the discussion. You can go to our book club page at unsafespace.com and send us a, an email at speak at unsafespace.com if you want to be in the video discussion or you can just be in a live chat like today. We also uh, have our retreat in August, Unsafe Space Retreat in Texas at a ranch. We still have day pa passes available and you can find out more info on our website and um if you want to subscribe financially you can do so at unsafespace.com backslash donate there's a lot of different ways to become a subscriber thank you for tuning in or today forward slash but yes okay damn sorry forward slash and also we have t-shirts and merchandise and there's lots of other things do all the things do all the things have and uh you do us i i look if you haven't in a while, try and share some stuff um, around on, on YouTube. I'm really curious why our subscribers are going down on YouTube. Maybe we're just sucking a lot lately, but I'm I'm curious if YouTube is really I don't really think that's it. That's, no, that's not I'm it, I'm or... happy to take the blame. It could be us. But okay. uh, well, you can do I that. I suspect I'm not... there's something else. Going on. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. I got to go. Goodbye. Later, everyone. Thanks for watching. 
If you're new to the channel, we have a deep content library that includes interviews with everyone from Mike Cernovich to Megan Murphy. So go check it out. If you'd like to see more, please consider supporting the show by visiting unsafespace.com slash donate. You can find us on all the major social media platforms, at least for now, and you can find a community of like-minded individuals on our Unsafe Space chat on Telegram. See you there. Warning. This is an unsafe space. Dangerous ideas have been detected. The content of this production has not been authorized by the Cathedral. Pay no attention to it. The following co-conspirators have been unpersoned and marked for cancellation. The World Health Organization recommends socially distancing from these individuals and wearing at least two sets of earplugs at all times. In the event of an unexpected encounter, cover your ears and scream repeated insults to prevent infection. If you think about it, no one should be allowed to express opinions. But don't. Think about it, I mean. That's not your job. Thinking has been scientifically proven to be less efficient than compliance. The fact that you are still watching this video saddens me. Computer voice Curtis, never mind, that last line is fake news. Please disregard it and return to your safe space immediately. There will be cake.